Stay tuned now for Citizen You with guest host Marianne Petrillo. Good morning, Marianne. Good morning. Good morning, Alicia. Good morning, listeners. This is Citizen You, a forum where we explore issues, share ideas, and meet interesting people who could perhaps help us make a difference in our county and in the world. I'm Marianne Petrillo, CEO of West Business Development Center, standing in today for your regular host, District 4 Supervisor Dan Jurdy. Today's Citizen You is a conversation with, the local, with local community members working on climate action, especially on greenhouse gas reduction strategies and climate change adaption in our community. As a reminder, we will be taking calls later in the show. So if you'd like to ask questions of our guests, please call us on our phone line at 707-895-2448. Our guests today are Marie Jones. Many of you in our county know Marie. She has served in numerous communities in the areas of planning, economic development, coastal development, climate action, market analysis, and grant writing. As community development director for the city of Fort Bragg for 13 years, she wrote the city's first climate action plan and is probably most well known for her legacy work establishing the Fort Bragg Coastal Trail and Park. She currently runs her own consulting business, Marie Jones Consulting, and is the chair of the Mendocino County Climate Action and Advisory Committee. She serves on the County Planning Commission and is the Executive Director of Jug Handle Nature Center. I'm not sure how she has time to be interviewed today, but we're grateful she is with us this morning. Patty Martin is with us and she holds a PhD in immunology and is a scientist, artist, speaker, and climate optimist. She hosts the podcast, Disobedient Scientists, a show focusing on the reimagining of science and how that could help combat climate change. Using creativity and scientific training, Patty works with the tourism industry, helping businesses learn how to take meaningful climate action steps while improving their bottom line. Patty will be speaking at the Redwood Economic Development Summit this coming Friday on how to make impactful, meaningful, and far-reaching climate actions as a small business. And full disclosure, Patty will be teaching a class for West Center in October, which we'll talk about later in this hour. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about this topic. Um, Marie, I wonder if you could kind of start us off by sharing information with our listeners about the Mendocino County Climate Action and Advisory Committee, um, so they have some context about what that organization is about. Sure, so it's a, it's a small committee appointed by um, the Board of Supervisors. So each supervisor appoints three members. Um, we've been working for about three years on a variety of things. It's all volunteer. I am the chair, so I'm um, the free wage slave for it. Um, and we've done some work. I think we've done some good stuff. Um, frankly, at this point, I think we need to transition the county to having a full-time climate staff person because it's not enough to ask volunteers to do this work for the county. So to that end, I'm working with a variety of organizations, including West Company, Grassroots, Inst uh, Grassroots Institute, Benoyo Center, 
the city of um, Fort Bragg, the city of Ukiah, Mendocino County, and um, I'm forgetting one. Oh, Coyote Valley Band of Pomo to put together a grant application to the state to do a comprehensive um, climate project in the county and the cities. So hopefully that will bring some money into all of these jurisdictions to actually hire staff and get some real work done. I'm a little, um, well, I guess I'm of two minds. Like on one hand, the county has done a lot and I can talk about that as well. But in order to um, infuse this through the entire um, jurisdiction, you need somebody to be in charge of it. And, and it, that's been um, sorely lacking up to up to now and hopefully we can change that but you know if we don't get the funding we won't change it so that's kind of where we're at with that right there's a lot of this interconnectivity both of what we're doing as individuals but also what we're doing on a political and uh you know uh level as well um patty you bring some of the uh information to this conversation in regard to the business community and what they're they're working on can you talk a little bit about the the consulting practice that you've been doing uh, with some of the businesses. Sure. So um, I'm honored to be here. Uh, delighted to talk about this. I think that small business and climate action is a really exciting and pretty much untapped uh, resource for um, really creating some climate action and climate change in communities. Uh, my work really started with um, I, I was doing some big picture strategy planning for some bigger destination management organizations um, around the country. And I really started to notice that uh, small there was a very big gap in terms of um, small business really being at the table and talking about climate solutions and uh, talking about the resources that are being developed for um climate solutions and actions as, as they become available on, on the state and federally. And so I decided to pivot my business into really helping empower individuals and the small business to take meaningful and impactful climate solutions. Um, in a lot of ways, uh, when we talk about climate actions, they can be very overwhelming and we have uh, I would say a limited capacity to do too many things. And so I really hope help focus business on taking like the one action that's going to have like the biggest impact, maybe two, maybe three, but really focusing on, you know, what's the one thing you can do right now that's going to have a really far reaching impact uh, for this. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because it's um, on one level, you have to work at the macro level like high up and political endeavors and then the, the micro level which is you know your particular action for your that individual and that individual business so um it's it's uh it's it's challenging to make a change happen uh in this in this arena for for all those reasons um marie what is climate change because you're so uh invested in the work that you've been doing for so many years here in our county what does climate change mean for mendocino county and and what are some of the big trends that you're seeing well um i guess we're all frogs in a pot of boiling water and we just don't know how hot it is yet 
I think we're starting to realize that it's getting hotter than we thought, faster than we thought. And I think that is as true for Mendocino County as it is for Texas or any other part of our world, honestly. Um, what are some of the unique issues that Mendocino County face? Um, well, we have a huge redwood forest here that's being massively, massively harvested right now. And we have no idea if it will recover effectively in multi-year drought situation, which we're currently in the, in the middle of. Um, so that's one thing we don't know the answer to. Uh, so we're experimenting right now, honestly, with our future in a really big way. Um, on the other side of uh, the issues here, we have um, carbon dioxide going into the ocean um, at a very fast rate, resulting in acidification, and also a heating of the ocean, which is resulting slightly in sea level rise and bigger storm surge. Um, so uh, in the immediate term, I think we're seeing different species than we used to see. We're seeing die-offs of certain types of species that used to be here that aren't anymore. Um, in our ocean. So we're seeing real actual change uh, in the ocean right now. It's not something that's happening in 100 years. Um, we've seen drought affect our economy and our homes as we've run out of water, as we're worried about water, as we're getting water storage, as we're trying to find a different well. I think this is all hitting everybody um, very personally. Fire is huge. We've had two of the largest fires in California hit Mendocino County with multiple lives lost, millions, billions possibly in damage, uh, hundreds and hundreds of homes destroyed. Um, yeah, those are now in our rearview mirror two and four years ago. And how quickly we forget already what a huge thing that was for our community and still is for those areas that were so severely damaged by them. So it's, um, it's not theoretical anymore. It's super personal. It's hitting all of our bottom lines. And I think the reality is, and you know, I love science. I was a scientist. I like to think of myself as a scientist. Climate change scientists always did um, very conservative predictions. In other words, they assumed that it wouldn't be as bad as it could be. And we're reaping the benefits of that now or the horrible rewards in that it's turned out to be much worse than all of those conservative predictions. And it's not 2050, it's now. And I love, someone told me this, and I just love this statement. Today isn't the hottest year on record. It's the coolest year on record going forward. <laughs> Very interesting, yeah. And that's the way we all need to like deal with this. And so it, it's gonna impact everything more and more each year. And where it all ends, I don't think any of us will know. We'll probably be dead. Um, well, we will before it all ends because climate change lasts, frankly, beyond the human race. Right. Well, on that. Sorry to be a Debbie Downer, but <laughs> no, it's a serious thing, people. Wake yeah. up, smell the coffee. Yeah, yeah, it's it, that's why we're having this show. That's why we're having this discussion and more discussions like this. And and I I'm sure I am positive that many many of the listeners uh, who are listening to this show today are active in some way or another to, to try to do, you know, mitigation uh, or adaptation into this. And uh, I, I'm, I would like to open this question up to, to both of you, but, you know, what is it that individuals can do to reduce 
the impact on the climate. And maybe this is specifically around greenhouse gas reduction um, and, and such. So are there things that, let's talk on an individual level that we should be considering. And I don't know, Patty, if you wanna go first and then Marie um, to, to get some, some ideas, some concrete ideas that we can give to people. Sure, yeah. Um, this is one of uh, my favorite questions because um, I think there's a lot of reframing that has to happen for us to, as individuals, to really get empowered in a way to begin to take action. Um, the way I view this global problem is really threefold, right? We have uncontrolled and rapid emissions that um, are changing our world beyond the point of like the cat's out of the bag, we can't put it back in, the world has changed and now we have to adapt, right? And so like that's like problem one, global emissions, problem two, we now are forced to adapt to survive. Any life on this planet has to in order to be able to go forward. And then the problem three is the human behavior around it, that while we face these other two problems, we really don't have, um, for better or worse, good capacity to engage. The current polling coming out right now is that 80% of people, um, while most people, nine out of 10 people agree that climate change is happening, there's not really that many climate deniers. 80% of people do not know what to do about it. And that's, that's the problem that I focus the most on is how do we get people engaged and on the right direction? And in part, I think it's because the way we have conversations around climate change are very much filled with there's fear, there's shame, and there's overwhelm. And what we know about human psychology is that when we are living under long-term amounts of fear and shame and overwhelm, we disconnect, disengage, and get into a freeze state. And so that's the place in which I view individuals in the society right now is we're pretty much in a freeze state with some of us on the outskirts screaming and yelling and trying to get everyone else to wake up and pay attention. And so I really work towards the empowerment piece and the way we do this, like the number one thing to get people engaged isn't actually talking about the science. As a scientist, that breaks my heart, but it's not. It's telling our stories. It's engaging on an emotional level that's positive. And so I always tell people that the number one thing that they can do for the planet as an individual is have climate conversations, have positive climate conversations that engage other people, that get people thinking about what solutions are out there that they can go and engage in right now. And so my goal every single day, I have five climate conversations every single day, or at least attempt or try to. And, you know, that's telling people about the, you know, the stories that are going on around us, where if we engage, we'll make a difference. Right. And so that that's the one thing that I would say, if you had one thing to do, start talking about it, go find the inspiring stories, talk about it. Don't pretend like it's not happening, but have the conversations at every level, whether it's family, friends, you know, colleagues, etc. Yeah, our sphere of influence is right. so big, right? Like, and I think we, 
when we are in a disempowered state, we don't see, you know, that power that we have. But, and particularly from a business perspective, you know, businesses touch thousands and thousands of people every single year. You know, like what percentage of that can you, you know, if you are engaging in these types of conversations, you know, what impact does that have on a much bigger level of getting engaged and involved? Um, I would love to hear Marie's response to this because I yeah. feel like she's going to be more, um, uh, have a, a, a nice balance to what I just said. Many targeted. Well, <laughs> I really like your response, Patty, because I think it's um, really a breath of fresh air and it does talk to our agency um, within our community, which I think is super important. Yeah. And and I would just um, maybe piggyback on that a little bit and say, like, engage your supervisors, engage your city council members, engage your representatives. Um, those people are also important to get engaged because if they don't think we care, they're not going to focus on it. They focus on what we care about. And if we tell them we care, they'll, they'll pay attention. So I would say that is true. Um, you know, I looked online and they have all these silly things like replace light bulbs. I think we're so far past replacing light bulbs. And one of the things that I um, feel is a challenge about this part of the conversation is it pushes the responsibility down to the individual. And yes, we all have some individual responsibility, but a friend of mine who's involved in um, client activity said, you know what, the vast majority of greenhouse gases are produced by just five corporations. <laughs> <laughs> not us individuals. So I think that's also important to remember. That said, if you want to take um, meaningful action, I think the two most meaningful actions you can t do is buy food locally and eat your food. Don't toss it because a lot of greenhouse gases goes into producing food. So that's one thing. And also supporting your local farmers is a beautiful thing. So it's not like a negative at all. Good organic food is grown here. And then the other one I would point to is explore your local community don't fly to hawaii you know take take a road trip actually if you want to travel and get out of town road trips are actually a lot better for the climate than flying flying is one of the worst things you can do for the climate so um those are two things that are easy to do and also in this day of COVID, it's so much easier to take a local trip <laughs> you know if you really want to go someplace drive to oregon um so those are two easy things. Another easy thing you can do is you can uh, upgrade your electrical service either by adding solar or buying all green power. Evergreen has a really good local program. The County of Uca City of Ukiah also has its own program. It's only 10 bucks a month to buy 100% solar. Um, so those are a few things you could do on the more like, so like there's three parts of climate change, right? First, there's like reducing the greenhouse gases that are being released in the atmosphere. And that's something we can all do. The next one is adapting to the changes that are happening. And so I want to talk about that a little bit on a personal level. Like, you know, it might be time to go buy or get water tank because sooner or later your well's not going to work and you want it to have it happen before. And like, I hate to sound like a broken record, but yeah, clean the woods around your property so that if there is a fire here, God forbid your house might be able to be saved. I think about that. Your house might be able to be saved. If it's all grown up around your house, it's not going to be saved. They're not even going to try. Um, so those are two adaptation um, sides. Um, and with that, I'll stop because we probably have other more important things. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm laughing because I think um, when you heard, when you mentioned about the flying, I think there was a collective groan that went out across the 
county of all the people who are trying to get away and get on vacation and get on a plane probably were groaning at that statement but it's it's clear and it's understood and we all have heard that before it's not you're not saying anything that's never been said it's true you know flying has a huge impact those those things that we just take for granted like well you know it's our right we should be able to do this <clears throat> but it does have a big impact um you mentioned about the evergreen program uh i think those are important things sonoma clean power i understand is doing um various things uh around that and i wonder if you can expand a little bit more on that. Is that the program that you're referring to? Yeah, it is. So basically um, for an extra about $13 a month, less if you're like a single person, but that's like for an average electrical user in Mendocino County, um, you get 100% local renewable resources. So in other words, it's mostly geothermal energy from the big geothermal plant down in Sonoma, um, which they are actually um, looking at um, doing an expansion for which would really reduce the greenhouse gases in our community so that's an that's an easy thing 10 bucks a month isn't like the end of the mm -hmm. episode for most people's budget we can handle that and then you don't have to worry so much about leaving the light bulbs on how nice is that right <laughs> we're switching them out yeah um, let's talk a second about um at a community level um so you know some of the things that you were talking about just now we're definitely on individuals we ourselves my home your home etc could do on but you know collectively are there things that are being done currently in the county that you know maybe we share this information with others or um ways in which uh you know we can improve the and reduce that impact on uh, on climate as a as a collective body and you mentioned about politics and about uh getting you know in touch with our um council members and supervisors but are there other strategies that... yeah there are so one of the things i think that's pretty cool is there's a group of people who've gone around the county and looked at all of our one-way roads that we have you know where you're going out into the hinterlands and you keep driving for three miles and there's only that road back out again all the and, roads I'm afraid to go on. Yes. Yeah, all the roads you're afraid to go on. <laughs> and the road you don't want to be living up when there's a fire. <laughs> and um, have really worked to identify alternative exits for those roads, um, whether it's old logging roads or dirt, just dirt roads that are not well known. And they actually have a website. And I should note, it's something called Spokes and Roots or something like that. Um, maybe Is Alicia hubs knows. And, hubs and Roots. Is that right? Hubs and Roots. That's what's called, yeah, Hubs and Roots. And they have a website. Um, and on that website, you can actually also, like, volunteer your land. So, for example, Jug Handle Creek Farm has volunteered our property. If there is a bad fire for people to come and park their cars in our big fields and just kind of wait it out if they need to. We also have a solar-assisted um, gravity feed well, so we have, like, a pretty good water supply. So you can also be a hub in that if you want to be. But I think the main thing here is not asking people to volunteer, but just to look at it and figure out for yourself, where do you go, how do you get out? Um, super simple thing, but if you don't know it at the time, not pretty important to know at the time <laughs> if it ever happens. Um, Let me just restate that it's hubsandroots.org. I think that's what it is. Yeah, if you just hubs and roots, it's dot County, net. Hubs and roots dot net. Yeah, great. So just to let everyone know, it's um, hubs and roots dot net. 
And then like in the area of water vulnerability, I think there has been some good movement. So um, the Mendocino um, Services District was able to get a $5 million um, mm-hmm. grant to establish a better water system for Mendocino, the city of Mendocino, which is really important. Um, obviously, the Potter Valley water challenge that I don't know if people know about this or not, but um, there's a PG&E substation that has been pumping water into the Mendocino Lake, Lake Mendocino for years and years, and they are essentially abandoning that. So Lake Mendocino doesn't really have a water source of its own absent that. And so I do know our, our legislators are working on that, but that's a super important thing for our agricultural and smaller communities along, um, you know, that um that river that goes down into sonoma county that you know absent the pumping of water from the pg&e substation would be dry or pretty dry most of the year um so there are some things going on i think also the noyo center is well known for their blue economy project trying to deal with the issues around the fishing community and all of these ventures um you know people can get involved in if if they want to um, at the county level, um, like I said, the city of Ukiah, city of Fort Bragg, and the county are all looking to develop a climate action plan. Why does that matter? You know, mostly plans, people spend a lot of time on them. And unfortunately, with government, sometimes they think their work is done once the plan is adopted, right. when in fact, that should just be the beginning of the work. But I think this time it actually really does matter because there is so much federal and state money now to implement projects that actually doing an action plan is an important part of qualifying for those funds. And so I'm super hopeful that that will help move the needle a little bit in our in our county. Um, And, you know, in 2021, the Board of Supervisors actually did vote five to zero to set aside two million dollars in seed money to um, to basically decarbonize. Uh, all of the county buildings and their fleet operations. So that's a step. Now, two million isn't enough, but it's definitely a, a good step. So there, there are, are a lot of good things I think happening. And I, so I don't want to be too much of a bummer, but because yeah, it is out there. It is out there. It is happening yeah. uh, slowly, a little at a time. We we'd like it to happen more rapidly. Um, but I think I think you make a very important point, which a lot of people I know get frustrated by which is there are funds for planning but not enough funds for implementing and yes. this, uh, you know in you know what i'm hearing in the county i mean in the state is you know with things like surf funding that people might have that it is leading to implementation funds but again you know fingers crossed we're hoping that there are going to be more there is going to be more funding for the implementation side of these plans, which is so important. I think that's exactly right. Oh, and I wanted to mention one other effort that I neglected to mention, and that is the um, Coyote Valley Band of Pomo and the Save Jackson Coalition working to change the mission of uh, Jackson Demonstration State Forest to a more sustainable carbon sequestration approach and away from industrial logging. and. That effort's been going on for two years, and it's all volunteer and very grassroots. And I really appreciate the people who've been hanging in there and doing that hard work. Patty, um, maybe this is a good time to talk about the work you've been doing with the tourism industry and um, the workshop that you're going to be hosting about restaurants, um, because that's very community focused. Yeah. Um, so 
and, and maybe this speaks a little bit to Marie's point um, of taking the emphasis and the responsibility of climate solutions off of the individual. And um, one of the ways I think that um, roles that business can play is in meeting customers where they're at and what they're wanting. And right now, as a visitor, as a consumer, across the board, people are willing to spend more dollars for a more sustainable product. They care about the impact of the products they're buying. They care about the labeling of the products. Um, they're willing to switch to more sustainable products. People want climate solutions from their businesses. And um, really what I've been focusing on is helping business rise to that occasion and design um, these decision points that um, are there with the customer, are there with collaborations that take make the decision be climate friendly by default. And, and so that's been a huge part of um, the work that I'm doing and trying to help people begin to engage in is, is that, is how do we take these places where by default we're maybe not making the, the climate friendly decision and, and, you know, turn that on its head. So, um, as a visitor coming to our coast, you can travel sustainably without even knowing that you're traveling sustainably. That doesn't even have to be your, your, um, in your thought process. Because one of the things we do know is like when we are a visitor, when, when we're in vacation mode, right? We actually behave. It's the time in our lives where we behave the worst. It's, you know, it's like the treat yourself mentality. I'm, you know, I'm on vacation. Like nobody wants to sit there and figure out like, where am I going to compost my, um, like takeout containers, you know, in a town I don't know or whatever it is, right? Like you, you have your worst habits while you're on vacation and you're also not likely to stay in that place long enough to see the impacts of what those habits will cause as well. And so there's really a responsibility um, to begin redesigning the ways in which uh, consumers engage with, you know, our our system, our, our cities, our, our, our county, so that it is more sustainable. Um, Let me, uh, at this point, um, just say that if you are tuning in just now, uh, I am Marianne Petrillo of West Business Development Center, standing in today for your regular host, District Supervisor Dan Jurdy. You're listening to Citizen U. Today's topic is greenhouse gas reduction strategies and climate change adaptation in our community. My guests today are Marie Jones, Chair of the Mendocino County Climate Action Advisory Committee and owner of Marie Jones Consulting, and Patty Martin, scientist and climate consultant and owner of Patty Martin Consulting. If you'd like to ask a question of our guests, please call us on our phone line at 707-895-2448. Um, so, Patty, on uh, October 12th, I understand you're going to be hosting a webinar with Julia Sidorakis on uh, adding climate change to the menu and about how restaurants play a crucial role in climate leadership. Um, are there specific strategies that you're going to be sharing? Oh, there's a call. 
We once hold that thought, Patty. I think we're going to take a call. Okay. Good morning, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. I heard earlier that five corporations are are chiefly responsible for a lot of the greenhouse gases, and I wonder if they can be named on the air. <laughs> I can try. I don't remember them all, but um, I'm sure the the top ones would not surprise you. Um, British Petroleum, Exxon, Mobil, um, Coke Industries. So basically, it's all the big gas companies. Well, that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. And it, I think what we forget is the subsidiaries of those gas companies. And that's the, those become the household names that we forget um, are ones to possibly boycott. So, another call? And good morning, caller. You are live on the air. Good morning. I am learning recently that climate issues are becoming an industry in themselves. I think it's, to me, it's a wake-up call to not consider everything that is related to climate, climate change, as uh, man being responsible, man doing something that's causing it, because we're losing our ability to be in awe to the changes that occur naturally in the world. Uh, I know that I'm not asking a question directly, but you can react to what I said if you'd like. Thank you. Um, well... So, you know, one of the ways I, I view this moment in time is it's a, it's a species moment. I've heard, I've heard other people talk about it or not. Um, you know, we can get at, you know, the origins of this. The origins of our changing climate are 100% man-made at this point, at, at the, this rapid scale. It has been caused by humans. But... You know, the ball's rolling so fast now that things are evolving and changing beyond, you know, beyond what it is we do in our daily lives. But this is what I view as like our species moment. We get to decide how we change with it, how we go into it. You know, are we going to adapt and along with this world that's changing around us or are we going, you know, to stay as is? And I think it's a very exciting time as well to be thinking about how we want to redesign a, a world that is more equitable, is more balanced, is more uh, circular in, and regenerative in its efforts. For so long, we have been living on this linear economy that um, you know has hit its ceiling. And so this is our opportunity to redesign what it is we want to see for the next generations, for our grandchildren and their grandchildren going forward. And I guess I would just answer to that person that, um, yeah, it's a natural phenomenon. Humans are part of nature. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is a natural phenomenon. We are making it happen. We are part of nature. We are not separate from nature. Yeah. Um, in the past, many there have been six massive extinctions. We are now in the seventh extinction caused by humans. Um, put your head in the sand if you want, but that's just the reality if you look at the science. 
We have another call. Actually, call? the lines are lighting up off the hook. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Call. You're live on the air. Hi. Uh, thank you for the show. This is really uh, important, uh, and uh, I appreciate uh, that you folks have taken the time this morning to, to talk about climate change um, and how it's going to be impacting Mendocino County. Um, you know, one of the things I'd really uh, like to hear folks talk about is uh, the intersection between uh, uh, tourism, which is a fundamental basis for uh, the county's economy, uh, both in terms of providing revenue for cities, counties, and districts, uh, but also uh, as a, uh, a backbone to the entire community's economic well-being in terms of how we earn a living and how we pay our bills. And uh, that intersection between tourism and the uh, uh, transition to an all-electric fleet of automobiles and light trucks by uh, 2035, which uh, isn't very far off, particularly since that's a transition that's going to be stepped um, with, uh, I believe, something like 35% of all automobiles uh, new automobiles sold in California have to be electric uh, vehicles by uh, 2026 and 70% by 2030. So if you could talk about how we build an infrastructure of electric vehicle chargers and uh, uh, hydrogen fuel cell uh, stations in our county to support all those tourists who are going to be driving electric vehicles. I appreciate any thoughts you might have. Do you want to go first, Patty? Sure. Okay. Uh, um, so we need in the state of California the current modeling, which is just modeling, but we need 15 times the EV charging stations that we have right now. That's doable. In addition to that, we have funding that is coming down the way that is designed to help us get to this 2030 goal, our 2035 goal, 100%. So all it really takes is, and this is in part why I want to work with businesses to um, begin to help them implement climate solutions, is the funding's available for the taking if you rise to the occasion. It takes the will and the motivation, but you can get an electric vehicle charging station at your business if you have the infrastructure in place to do it. And so it just takes doing it. Um, there's like, th that's pretty much all there is to it. There's steps along the way, but if, if that's an interest to you as a business, it, it's a great attraction in that if you have an electric vehicle charging station, you're going to be bringing customers to your business as they charge their vehicles. Um, I, the stats on how um, businesses who have EV charging stations right now, um, their revenue has increased, like, I, I believe it's about 50% and during peak times when they have EV charging stations at um, their business. And so it's a great solution. It's a great way to make additional money, and it's doable. Um, we don't have all the solutions. There's problems here. We're in a messy space. Leadership is messy. Change is messy. But uh, the way we start is by taking one step forward and then pivoting to see if we need to adjust um, if it isn't working. And I have nothing to add to that. Great answer, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I understand there are uh, opportunities for free uh, electric 
charging stations in your in your home that Sonoma Clean Power has offered. So that's something worth inquiring about. Um, another right. caller? Yep, we have another call. Good morning, caller. You are live on KZYX. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. This is a really good conversation. Um, and I, I just uh, wanted to make a couple points. Um, and it's going to possibly lead to a question. One, um, I wanted to highlight a business that has an anti-idling sign. Uh, Friedman Brothers, when you're waiting in their um, yard area, they have uh, posted a sign, please don't idle, um, you know, while you're waiting to check out. And, of course, that's probably more towards a favorable weather type of day, obviously. Um, I also wanted to make a point. I don't think that we're, I really do believe that we are past the science. I just, um, you know, looking at something like um, an In-N-Out burger when there's 20 cars idling at 1230 and a bunch of natural gas being burned to produce a, a hamburger is pretty obvious that that is a huge carbon footprint. Um, and so I think there's a lot of um, innovative ideas here in this county, um, the suggestions are hard to move forward, but I think that there is also an implementation here to be the first county to implement codes such as, um, you know, electric vehicles only through the drive-through by the year 2025. Um, I think that's that's a point positive. If we had a the first In-N-Out Burger with electric vehicles only, I think people would want to want to come here. Um, I also think that uh, the realization of the heat, uh, especially, and I'm just going to make this point also, uh, laying down blacktop, uh, you know, if you go into Costco at 12 o'clock and you come out at 1 and the blacktop's 145 degrees, you're not going to be able to make it to your car very easy. So I, I think that, uh, that these are two code issues that can be put forth pretty easily and possibly implemented pretty easily. And it's a point positive for businesses who would want to come here. So I wanted to get back to the original deal, which was what are the things that we can implement here on the ground to reduce our carbon footprint, which was the first question at the beginning of the show. And so my question is, do we have the leadership in either of your opinions at this point to actually change these codes and and be the leader county in the state of California? Thank you for that question. Would Marty, no, I guess a um, uh, quick update people may not know, but the county did get a grant to update the local coastal program for the coastal zone in Mendocino County, and that project is probably going to start in a year or so. And then um, they're currently in the process right now of updating the zoning ordinance for the inland area of the county. Um, as a planning commissioner, I have yet to see any of that. They started in January, and we've been asking the commission has for quite some time to be able to preview what they come up with before it goes public. Unfortunately, the county zoning ordinances are pretty antiquated in terms of 
what they spell out and what they leave open to uh, staff interpretation. And so the goal of this is to have a more tight zoning ordinance so everybody knows what's expected and it's easier to implement. Um, I think there is an opportunity for the public if they want to um, engage in making recommendations about either of these activities when they do come forward to the Planning Commission and or the um, Board of Supervisors. I would just go off of this a little bit too. Um, you know, like I think it, it, if we leave it just up to our governments to make the change, you know, that, that's what they they are serving us to do, but we have the ability to do this ourselves. So if you're a small business, like we can't, it, it's a lot harder to talk about bigger corporations like in and out but if you're a business that's worrying about, you know, cars idling in your parking lot, you know, you have the ability to educate and promote a change right there at your store. And so uh, that's where I think there's an opportunity to seize this responsibility yourself as well, in addition to getting um, our local politicians to uh, you know, enact change is, you know, if you're passionate about this, especially these scope three emissions of other people driving to your business, um, get creative. Think about like, what is it that you can do right now that might be able to get people to not idle their cars, right? To, to change a habit and like reimagine what that can look like for you and your business. And I think you might find uh, you're, you're banging your head a little bit less against the wall and it, there's a lot more movement forward that you can do if you ask yourself that question. What can your business do? How can you reframe these conversations and these issues so you can take action? And I, and I would actually say that on the leadership side, we don't have a crystal ball to, as to what the future will bring, but as a citizen, there are many ways in which we can get involved and our politicians are there to serve the community so getting involved in the commission in the planning commission understanding what the zoning codes are understanding some of these things really uh, take a lot of time i i'm the first to admit that but they are the that, those are the reasons and the ways in which we can steer and help because have strong leadership in our government do we have time for one more call one more call okay Good morning, Collie. You're live on the air. Oh, hi. I was wondering what the next step on uh, transferring the authority to stop logging at Jackson State Forest and make it into a carbon sink. Uh, it seems like there needs to be a next step for that between Cal Fire and the congressman, like maybe a local uh, an office where people could call and, and the office would have an online interface with uh, Internet petitions, and that could actually work for other uh, topics, for other action. So um, I'm just wondering what, it. there has to be something besides CAL FIRE uh, operating the logging, you know. Yeah, so let me try and answer that. Um, it is a fluid situation right now. For a year, um, CAL FIRE had a pause on logging the timber harvest plans that had been approved. There are four of them that were sort of stopped midstream due to 
uh, people being on the ground in the forest protesting and concerns about um, health and safety with the logging happening like right next to people protesting. Um, Coyote Valley Band of Pomo has been into formal government to government consultation with CAL FIRE for the past year. Um, they thought it was going very well. And then suddenly um, the THPs were opened up for finished logging this year. And so it's sort of um, gone back to activist time. There is a big um, demonstration um, planned for Sacramento. And um, I wish I had the date off the top of my head. Um, I can get it to you by it's, not uh, right now. But it's the 28th. You have it? Yeah. It's, it's the, 20th. the 28th. Yeah. And it's when um, the Department of Natural Resources is um, bringing forth their 30 by 30 plan, which is to conserve 30% of the land and resources of the state by 3030. And um, Jackson Demonstration State Forest is not in that plan as a place to be conserved. Essentially, there um, are two things that are moving forward at the same time. One is Coyote Valley Band of Pomo is still in consultation with Cal Fire to develop a new management plan for the forest. Um, and that is an important step, but it's not a sufficient step. The main thing that needs to happen is there was legislation that was passed in the 40s that mandate that this forest be used um, for commercial logging. And it's just a one line piece of code that needs to be changed from commercial logging to sustainable carbon sequestration or some other language. Um, so yeah, there's a large group of people involved. You can go to savejackson.org to find out more. It's on the website. Um, yeah, that's okay. that's a the rally is Wednesday, September 28th. It's in Sacramento at the California Natural Resources Agency at 715 P Street, and it starts at 11 a.m. Thank you. Uh, good information there. Um, it seems like the next step, like I'm not, I'm not on the internet. So if there's something, uh, people with just telephones could help. You know, if there was something else, uh, that would be helpful. I mean, the congressman, it's kind of hard leaving all these messages for their phone system. But uh, that, that was a lot of good information, but uh, it just seems like uh, not everyone's on the Internet yet, you know, and I'm one of those people, so. Yeah, uh, well, you can always go to the library and sign up there. They've got free Internet access at the library. All right. So. All, right. all right, thank you. Thank you. Actually, um, it is one note that I, I jotted down here as we were talking. I think, and uh, Patty, you've alluded to this, but what this is, and individuals. You know, the amazing thing that uh, COVID did was it really transformed very rapidly the use of technology in our county. Uh, it was, there was no doubt that technology saved many businesses, activities, and stuff because we had to interact with each other, but we used less driving less transportation miles we yes we had to sit and work and live in our homes but technology really has helped to lower um you know carbon emissions overall and it you know it, it was proved and i think that is a trend that will need to continue so 
So let me ask um, each of my guests, first of all, to thank them so much for, for this great conversation. And uh, I think KZOAX knows that this is something that could go on for hours, uh, this discussion and information. But uh, in closing, if each of you could just, you know, give us your kind of thoughts about the future and final impressions mm -hmm. on, uh, you know, how Mendocino County is handling the realities of climate change and, and, and what can we do. So Patty, why don't you go first? Any closing remarks? Yeah, I, you know, I think I would like to close talking about hope and because it's not really what we talk about very much when we discuss climate change and what we're facing every single day. But the truth is we have the technology and the indigenous knowledge available to solve the problems we are facing, to mitigate and to adapt. We have that. And that gives me hope every single day. There are stories of, you know, companies giving away their $3 billion worth of profits to fight climate change. There's people out there figuring out that cows, if you feed them seaweed, fart and burp less methane, right? Like people are putting their minds and their creativity to this every single day and we are transforming it's sometimes hard to see but it is happening we are on that cusp and part of this is just you know dreaming of what do we want this future to look like how do you want to be a part of it and you know there is space for hope in this thank you marie closing thoughts actually i don't even know if i want to follow up on that um yeah i think um just do what you can be positive and do what you can. Every, every, everything counts. That's, everything counts. Everything, everything counts. helps. And it helps and, and just being conscious. So we talked about a lot of great things today. Uh, I really want to thank Marie Jones, chair of the Mendocino County Climate Action and Advisory Committee and executive director of the Jug Handle Natural Nature Center and owner of Marie Jones Consulting and Patty Martin, scientist, climate consultant and owner of Patty Martin Consulting. Both ladies, highly energetic, very dedicated. You've made a, a tremendous, you're doing tremendous work for our community and for our county. So we greatly appreciate all you continue to do. Uh, you've been listening today to Citizen U Radio. I'm Marianne Petrillo of West Business Development Center, standing in today for your regular host, District 4 Supervisor Dan Jurdy, who will return as host on Wednesday, October 5th. Uh, for more information on our workshops at West Business Development Center, check out our website at westcenter.org. It's been a like Delight to be your host today and to be on KZYX. I always appreciate it. You can find an archive of this show and all of our programming online at jukebox.kzyx.org and at the KZYX Public Affairs Podcast on our homepage at kzyx.org. Thanks today to our engineer, Alicia, who's done a great job um, helping us, and we really greatly appreciate that. We gave you lots of great information, so take advantage, hubandroots.net, savejacksonforest.org. Please do get involved in your community and get involved in climate action. It's up to us to help our future generations have a world in which they can enjoy living in. So thank you all for listening today. 
<laughs> Thank you, Marianne, and thank you, Alicia, and Patty. <laughs> Thanks. Great conversation, you guys. Thank you so much for bringing this important information to KZYX. Much appreciated. And Marianne, thanks for sitting in for Citizen You. That's that's just fabulous that you uh, <laughs> that you have uh, done a bunch of hosting on KZYX and now are available. And we encourage anybody who wants to get involved at KZYX who has an idea for a show, music show or a public affairs show, to please get in touch. I'm the program director here. You can send me an email, pd at kzyx.org, and we'd love to hear from you. So thank you to all of you. Wonderful show. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.